And I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Pop Culture Pasta. Okay, hey, uh, Cody, have you ever seen the Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal? Yes, where he's in the airport. Yeah, first of all, I think it's one of his most underrated movies. It's one of my favorites of Tom's. It is easily in my top 10. And then I'd have to like have a list of Tom Hanks movies <laughs> in front of me so I could officially rank it. But it's definitely better than the man with one red shoe. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that was loosely based on a real story. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Okay, loosely based on a story about real-life Iranian Mehran Karimi Nasiri, who'd been living in a Paris airport terminal for 18 years. I don't think Tommy lived there that long. Um, so here, here's the story. Nasiri resided in Terminal 1 of the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris from 1988 to 2006 out of legal need. Um, and then still after receiving immigration papers, which he apparently didn't r- refuse to sign. So the, I think the movie kind of captures a little bit of that where he's offered, he allows them to go out or he's trying to get them to go out. The guy in the airport member in the movie mm-hmm. and he doesn't go uh, something like that maybe happened with this guy. He instead resided in a parish shelter before returning to the airport. And the man, it was something of a local celebrity there in Paris uh, during an interview with someone in 1999, the man said he planned to leave the location at some point. He said, eventually I'm going to leave the airport, but I'm still waiting for a passport or a transit visa. So Mehran was born in 1945 in Suleiman, uh, Suleiman, Iran, which was back then under British jurisdiction still mm. he left Iran to further his studies. But upon returning to his home country, he discovered that he was supposed to be arrested for participating in a protest against the Shah. And when they found him, they expelled him without a passport. Well, that was rude. So his life was wrapped up in this sort of bureaucracy and red tape. And then he found himself living in the Paris airport terminal for 18 years. Did he really do all the renovation work on the airport? I don't know, but you would think that, man, he must have had some part set up where he maybe some part of the airport they they didn't use where he had kind of set up his abode inside. But I'm um, going to do this tile restoration work. Yeah, <laughs> there is sad news to report. Um, apparently, he uh, died over the weekend. Oh, he suffered a heart attack on November 12th and passed away in the Charles de Gaulle airport, which he had called home for almost two decades. Mm. Yeah. So like, it's such an interesting story because it's similar to the movie and he just got caught in this red tape and he actually lived at this airport. It makes me wonder, like, did he have family that he just didn't see again? Or how did this all play out? Like, I need the real story for this. Someone write a biography or history channel. Let's make yeah. A show about them. I need to know about the real person because the movie Tom Hanks gets to go home and he's in love with Catherine Zeta Jones and everything seems happy. Whereas that, you know, we know in human life, we don't always get the happy ending, but I feel like now I want to know more about this real guy. This feels like Rudy. Why does it feel like Rudy? Cause Oh, Rudy because the difference between the movie and yeah, the yeah, real life. Rudy yeah. wasn't that important. 
How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I, I know, man. I love that movie, but at the same time, I'm always like, don't tell me about the real story because it's not as fun. <laughs> like one time somebody told me that the scene where everybody comes in and drops their jersey on uh, the coach's desk never happened. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> don't tell me anymore. How dare you? It's for Rudy coach for Rudy for Rudy coach on F- coach Farsesian's desk. Someone told me that didn't happen. I was like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? You don't say that. You don't say that. <laughs> Anyways, um, man, big ups, big ups to our, our guy here, because this is sad. He lived a big chunk of his life in this airport. Mehran Karimi Nasseri. Mm, yeah. <sighs> rest in peace, sir. That's that sucks. We are all about resting in peace. Yeah. And we started off this episode with a little, you know, a little tough, tough news. Uh, because we're going to talk about Wakanda forever mm-hmm. and there's a lot of grief and moving on and how you move on and how you handle your grief. And there's a lot of that talk to come. So uh, stick that, around and stay tuned. And if the movie's actually good or not. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. You're listening to pop culture pastor, the podcast. We're talking Wakanda forever. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're we're back. We're ready. Uh, we're joined by Kane Colton, fellow geek of the roundtable. Hello, how are you, Kane? I'm very good, thank you. Kane went and saw this movie. Korg, Korg Kane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went and saw this movie too, Dave, and it was, I quite liked it. <laughs> Much better than Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, <laughs> okay, let's uh, just. I, I, I wouldn't quite go that far. Dave. Uh, not yet. <laughs> let's. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into this. We always like to kind of take some, ask some broad questions about the movie first. So um, let's first get this out of the way. They chose a route with this movie that they were going to honor the memory of Chadwick Boat. We're not, not going to recast T'Challa. Um, so when he passed tragically, they just decided they were taking a certain route with this movie. Now, I fully expect that we're going to hear some things today that maybe we don't like that route. Mm. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't, wouldn't have been our first choice. Cause I'm, I'm going to tell you, I kind of agree with that. Like I was big on the recast T'Challa cause I feel like he's an important enough character. And I feel like, I mean, I didn't know Chadwick Boseman, but I heard him talk about the comics and the character. And I think maybe he would have agreed. The character was bigger than bigger than him. Um, but they chose to do it this way. So I tried really hard to just evaluate the movie for what it was in the way they went. And so in, in, in order to do that, I have to ask this question. Does this movie adequately honor uh, the memory of Chadwick Boseman? So I will compare it to another comic book movie um, where, although it was a bigger character, um, it wasn't the main character, uh, the actor that played him. And so, uh, when Heath Ledger died, mm-hmm. you just get his character completely erased from. You, you turn about from Dark from Knight Dark Rises. Rises, yes, yeah. Uh, so, in this regard, I was glad to see they did not do that. Um, 
Well, that's interesting because yeah, you, those are movies you love. Yes. And you're left with this thought of like what might've been, and Mm -hmm. that makes you kind of sad, but then how do you honor someone who played a psychopathic villain? Right. Yeah. Um, and like when Paul Walker died in the fast in fast and furious, they like leave it that his character just, just out there away from all this fast and furious biz and like tears were probably shed. They do CGI him in one, the end of one of those, don't they? Well, his brother and then like doing some digital stuff to help yeah. it look more like him i am oh, just right off the bat i'm glad they did chose not to do that yeah with this um with that being said no i don't think they did honor him like you get Explain. the yeah so the the intro credits mm-hmm. where it's just chadwick in the marvel logo with no music it. yeah that was amazing um i felt that um post credit scene I'm not going to talk about yet, but I felt that honored him. Mm-hmm. Rest of the movie, even during the whole funeral sequence, I felt nothing. Like, it was not moving for me at all. And now why, com- do you, why do you think that is? Let's examine that a little bit. Um, like, no character really flushes out their whole mourning process. Even the main character... She doesn't flush it out. At the end, she's like, "I miss my brother," and that that that's it. And now, the, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The be, mom doesn't even like fully flush it yeah. out. She just says, "I've lost my husband. I've lost my son," and that's it. I'm gonna play a little contrarian. Play a little your part here. Thank you. Because the movie doesn't cover like it starts. It basically starts a year after, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really cover a lot of time. So expecting them to go through many stages of grief isn't going to happen. I mean, what are we talking about here from the point where it says one year later to the end of the movie? What are we talking? A few weeks tops? Yeah. But again, a whole year after his death, like I think that we could be able to talk about it again, not fully prepared to disagree with you, but I know people like I know people who the rest of their life is defined by people they lost. And yeah. they just they just can't move past. Right. Yeah, although by the end, we have moved past. Although there's some details I'm leaving out. Yeah. Um, And and we'll get to those later there. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm intentionally leaving out some Wakandan, some specifically Wakandan things that make it not make a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll definitely come back to that. Kane, what do you think? Um, I would I would actually have to disagree. I actually think it, it does honor uh, mm. very much. Uh, and with with the whole recasting thing, I'm kind of glad that they didn't recast him. Mm. Um, and that's about fifty fifty. I think. Yeah, I, think, I don't think yeah, there's a right or wrong I, answer. I, I, I think. You know, I don't really know the the, uh, the the backstory of the the character of Black Panther. Like, I don't mm. know. I didn't grow up reading the comics. Um, I've only really had exposure to the black through the MCU. And mm-hmm. so I don't, is, is black Panther. Not, he's not really black Panther. Isn't really directly related to T'Challa because it's a, it's a mantle that's passed down. Right. Mm-hmm. I know, so, I know, and I'm assuming in the comics it's, it's based around T'Challa. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, there's, there's people that are black Panthers that aren't necessarily. So they actually mention in the movie, the direct lineage from yeah. the first black mm-hmm. Panther. So that is mentioned. I'm glad they did that because that mm-hmm. is 
to say that T'Challa has direct lineage, yep. but other people have been the Black Panther, whether for a short amount of time or whatever. And I'm sure Scotty uh, could say that better than I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that, have, that have had the direct lineage that weren't of, or that were Black Panther that didn't have the direct lineage, yep. right? So it's not, it's not royalty. You can be Black Panther without being king. And I'm I'm with you on the aspect of not recasting him. I I didn't want that. Um, and where the movie ends off, I think that it it lends itself to filling that void down the road, yeah. but not not in the immediate future. Yeah, I, 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 we'll, I think, we'll get to that later. But I have some issues with that too. I think it's a. I think. The whole movie as a whole, the, once they set out on the course to be like, we're going to honor Chad, I think they do that fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the whole movie is meant to do that in a way. I think there's some choices, some specific choices they made that are going to be a storytelling problem as we move forward. But mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead, Kane. You were going to say something else? Oh, no. I was just, uh, um, yeah. I was just saying, yeah, I, I do think they, if, if they recast Chad Chadwick, it would kind of feel like they were just discounting him mm-hmm. and just, Ignoring what to the the character of T'Challa. So if there was just somebody else who stepped in, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like just imagine if uh, Robert Downey Jr. got cast recast as Iron Man. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't. Yeah. It really wouldn't be the same. Like you just couldn't get away with that. I right. don't think. Just Rhodey. We're okay with recasting Rhodey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently Bruce Banner. I was going to say, <laughs> the whole cast changed. And yeah. Well, I, but, but, but both of those were done right at the very beginning. Like I, very, very early yes, on. Yes, right. Early they, on. They weren't real super established characters. Yeah, the Hulk yeah. had one movie. Now, the one that people are talking about a lot, and not a lot of people. Like, I don't feel like a... So I'm kind of of this mind. Like, I would have liked them to recast T'Challa, but I'm also not super opposed to the direction they went. Mm-hmm. I like that they honored Chadwick Boseman mm. because I like Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, now, the, the the big thing is, is now that the, the one guy died who played Thunderbolt Ross... Yeah. And they they just immediately recast him with Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Because there's literally a movie coming out called Thunderbolts, which yeah. is not just a coincidence. I mean, that character is involved. Mm-hmm. And, and so some people will be like, hey, why are you going to recast that dude? Not he was on. a side character. Yeah. yeah I right. think, I, I think lesser known characters and, all, yeah, and side, we didn't side like characters. It. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't like his character. <laughs> yeah. Side characters and, and, way early on in the piece is kind of passable. Um, it will let it slide, but but reca- recasting a character or an actor, they are really well established and really well loved in the room, mm-hmm. then I think. Yeah. Yep. And so, I, right, recast, don't recast. At the end of the day, I had a preference, but I'm not sure that it would it was going to disappoint me one way or the other. Um it changes the story they're going to tell. And for that, we get split. And then, like I, like I said, Cody, I think we, we, we talked a couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks ago about world building, the canon, intellectual property. And the more movies we make, the more shows we make. Lord of the Rings might be experiencing this a little bit. The more shows we make, you're just not going to be able to satisfy everybody because everybody's got a vision of how they think the story should go. And when you go a different direction, people are going to be disappointed. And this movie, I think, might be maybe the most glaring example of this yet where you're just going to have some people who aren't going to be into it 
and you have some people who are, and it's going to totally depend on your experience with the IP, how far back you go. Like if you were a comic book reader, it's going to depend on which of the movies were your favorite. Cause like, if you're someone who didn't really care about black Panther the first time, you're not really going to care where they go with it. However, if black Panther was your favorite one Mm. and you, or maybe even of African American persuasion, you might have a pretty strong opinion about what they did with Chad. Like you might have a pretty strong opinion about recasting the character. As I've seen, I mean, a lot of, a lot of folks on Twitter, uh, if you follow the, the black community on Twitter, more than you might think wanted to recap because they felt like the character was super important to them. I don't know. Maybe this movie, maybe when they saw this, a little bit of that was they would, they were a little bit better with it because there's tons of great characters. So in this movie alone, and maybe Mm. we should move on to the next question. uh, The broad, as we're looking broadly at the movie, Um, I'm going to give an opinion. Then I'll ask you if you agree or disagree. My opinion is that this is the best movie we've ever had for female strength. Mm. Um, the female characters in this movie, now they make some choices with like the, the armor on the Dora Milaje. I didn't like that. But the characters themselves, they're not Mary Sue's. They have flaws. They're emotional. Sure, he's a kind of a wreck. Uh, she's all over the place. But they're strong. Like, they're strong characters. Like, you put this next to She-Hulk, and She-Hulk looks ridiculous. Because She-Hulk was like, Marvel saying, oh, look, here's this strong female character. Uh, Suck it, haters. That was like the whole point of the show. Whereas when you put real strong human female characters on the screen, you don't have to say suck it, haters. They just are. And I I just went around along with it because I've known strong women in my life. And and they look like this. This that was that was the part I liked about this movie is all and all of them too. Uh, Okoye, Nakia. Uh, Queen Ramonda, Shuri, and they're all dealing with like this. I mean, gosh, Wakanda just is getting it from all ends, right? Is this like the worst through the course of this movie? It sucks to be Wakanda. Like, I mean, everything bad happens to them through the course of this. What were the year we don't see? And then through the course of this movie is like, man, Wakanda's got a rough right now. But the female characters are all kind of going through that. And being really strong, and I kind of dug it. Is this the is this the best female strength depicted on the screen for you, or no, Cody? Wonder Woman. You, you first Wonder Woman. First Wonder Woman. Eighty four yeah. is trash, and I don't recognize Wonder Woman eighty four. But and, and I'm not prepared to argue against that either, because that would be the one other movie that kind of sticks out to me to be like. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then I would go off the beaten path and you would have to have watched this just random desperate housewives. No, <laughs> this random comic book movie called The Scribbler. And oh, it has exactly um, it has Katie Cassidy, who uh, was in Arrow um, as uh, Black Canary. And but she's the, the superhero in I mean, it's all about her. And so, um, and I, I would put this up there with Scribbler, but I wouldn't put this up there with one. Yeah. There was issues with, so I think that you got to see strong feminine uh, development with most of the characters. Shuri, I have issues with her arc as a whole and with like, 
I mean, literally, you go from Black Panther 1, Shuri, to this one, you wouldn't recognize it. Mm. And you can say the death of... Shuri a, herself, you mean? Yeah. Okay. You, you, you could say the death of a brother would do that. Maybe. But, like, no, no, no. Just to be clear, you're okay with the quick change of character in Shuri, but or you're okay with the quick change of character of Scarlet Witch, from WandaVision to Doctor Strange, but you're not okay with this. Um, now, I, it wasn't listen. a quick change, though. It wasn't? No. And they developed it during the show. Mm. They did. Mm. There wasn't any development, again, for by, Shuri. By development, do you mean an in-credit scene where she's fooling around with the dark hole? Literally. Because she went, she goes from redempted, at the, realizing she was on a bad track, at the end of WandaVision to an end credit scene where she's messing with the dark hold to full on evil the, in multiverse. The madness. episode where she is throwing up the runes with Agatha. It literally spells it out. She is going to be in the dark arts. All right. Character development. <laughs> arcs. I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, but um, I respect your, your opinion. Uh, Kane, is yeah. this, what did you think of the female empowerment in this uh, this movie? I, I thought it was really good, actually. Um, I I think that would probably, for me, be the the strongest um, female hero moments that I've seen. In the, I think in the past, it's kind of a lot of these hero moments have been borderline cheesy. And yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. e e either either dripping with cheese or this whole feminist wokeism things like I don't need a man. So I'm going to belittle to do with men. Um, and I feel like, uh, this movie had such strong characters and such strong women, um, that were thrust into, um, this almost reluctant hero situation. And they kind of rose to the challenge. Um, and because, because there was no other option, but they, they, they did the best that they could, which happened to be, good you know mm. they, they didn't but i think there, there were so many good strong moments that didn't feel yeah okay so that does trigger one of my thoughts i had during the movie um because i mean this one you whether for whether deliberately or undeliberately um you get the the matriarchy mm -hmm. instead of a patriarchy yeah yeah but at times, I mean, really within Wakanda, there are no strong men or men available besides M'Baku. And Who's his, amazing. Who is amazing. <laughs> M'Baku's amazing. But his, <laughs> his people are the outcasts. Yeah. They're looked down upon as big brutes that are dumb. But then he they do a throwaway line of uh, that they actually knew what... Uh, his uh, Namor's uh, name or title means because they read books yeah. and like no one else knew it. But then, oh, we just brush on right past it. So like I did feel that within Wakanda, the men characters really got put down, especially uh, uh, the the general when she was talking. They brought up her husband not being there because he decided to do a Jordan Peele movie instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. Yeah. They, they do a throwaway line to explain his absence as well. And like at, at the end of the movie, like 
it's like, oh, maybe they were forced to marry because that's not what she's picking up anymore. Well, that's it's interesting that that's a good pickup that uh, the the line by Mbaku and that maybe the matriarchy a little out of control in Wakanda because um, I mean, why wouldn't it be? You've got the Dora Milaje who are like basically their their secret service to the the king and queen who are all women. They're cool. And women have power in Wakanda. Oh, yeah. Even when T'Challa was king, Queen Ramonda is a presence and Mm -hmm. is a very large decision-making presence. And so, um, and in this this arena, like, look look like one of the things I appreciated about the female power is they didn't shy away from, hey, Queen Ramonda's grieving, pissed, and not exactly making balanced decisions. Oh, yeah, because at times I thought that Wakanda was being ran by, like, by the United States <laughs> instead <laughs> right. of right. the altruistic uh, Wakandans. Yeah, she's acting kind of brash at the beginning, especially in dealing with the UN and all them, although we'll get to that later. The elements of the UN are acting like straight-up villains, including the United States government. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, they make they they kind of make her look like she's on the up and up. But if you just examine what she's doing, she's like, okay, she's kind of erratic herself. Which again, I appreciate because a big part of the problem with making strong female characters, and this goes really for any of like not any character that's not a white male, mm-hmm. strong minority characters, strong gay characters, strong anything, is that in the Hollywood in general, they make them without weakness. We called a Mary Sue, uh, Ray Sky, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> I'm a Skywalker. Has yeah. no flaws. She's never overly emotional. And the one mistake she actually makes is because she didn't realize she had a power she had, and you completely erase the circumstances of said mistake within ten minutes of movie time. Oh yeah. And so, like, that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like you're so afraid to give someone who hasn't had. The, the Hollywood focus, which we get, it's been white men who've been the focus of Hollywood for so long. But so when you do give someone else the focus, you're, you're afraid to give them weaknesses. And then it just doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel earned. Whereas this, their weaknesses are on full display, mm-hmm. but they're still strong. I would. So it definitely blows black widow out of the water. Oh yeah. 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 Like you forget that movie even exists, especially for a female hero. Uh, storyline like eh, whatever yeah black widow and uh yelena in the black widow movie don't look anything the women of wakanda wakanda forever yeah um so but it was a it's an interesting line it's an interesting thing to continue to talk about is the depiction of female power in this movie um let's talk about what's good what's good just anything we thought that stuck out to us right off the bat um in the first few minutes of the movie um I'm not sure I was down with the entire funeral procession. Mm-hmm. There, there were weirdly, I, my eye kept being drawn to certain dancers in the background who were like smiling broadly, like dancers do mm. when they're in a show. Some of the, most of the dancers were like stone faced, but then there'd be this random one who was like all pearly whites. And I was oh, just yeah. like, wait, it, it did kind of feel like a celebration rather than a mourning. Yeah. Right? Well, that could be cultural. I was going to yeah. say within a, quite a few African nations that it is a more of a celebration of life versus the loss of life. Yeah. Yeah. But then make it consistent. 
is all I'm yeah. asking. Um, but like there was one guy who caught my eye because he was kind of looking around and then he started dancing. And I was like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but one thing I really loved was the Dora Milaje as pallbearers, which mm-hmm. immediately uh, just from anyone, like if you've ever had someone you knew you lost in a military funeral or knew someone that died in the line of duty as a law enforcement fire department, the pallbearers are an important thing. And that just was like, okay, that is nice. I feel, I felt that it's brilliant. It again, kind of goes to show female power in Wakanda mm-hmm. and the honor it is to like, Hey, not everyone gets their casket carried by the door of Milaje. Like that's a big deal. And um, I thought that was brilliant. Just a little kind of like a Easter egg that they didn't have to drop in. That could have been a bunch of men, but it was the Dora Milaje. Love that. What's something you thought was uh, what, what was good, Cody? Um, we really could have just renamed this movie. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther, the rise of Namor. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to call him Namor. Just because Namor. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was the only one that called himself Namor and then everybody else called him Namor. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So first of all, the turning him making the Atlanteans as they're not known in this. Yeah, all, I was going to say they're from Talacon making them like kind of Hispanic Aztec um, people is sort of genius. And then going from there to his actual comic book name, which is Namor. To, to say that, like, literally that means no love in Spanish yeah, was brilliant. That was brilliant. And, it boy, when he delivers the little story of that, man, does it work. It just works so well. Yeah. Did, did you have anything you wanted to? I, I assume you were about to shower praise on one Tanakh Huerta. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Every scene he's in. He captivated me and I was drawn to him and like they flushed out his character tremendously. Um, if you are someone that was wanting more uh, Latino representation within uh, cinematography, this was great. And um, even uh, towards the end uh, when uh, he's being questioned about why they're not going to fight Wakanda again. Um, you get a strong female character um, asserting herself. That would be Namora. Yes. Yeah, that was it's his cousin. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's uh, Tanakh Huerta was great. The whole culture of the Talacons, everything about it. I wanted more of that on screen. I wanted more Talacon. Again. Rise of Namor. Yeah. Namora and Atuma were great. Atuma and Namora, both comic book characters that people would know if they were into Marvel comics. And Atuma is great in the movie. Watching him fight with a Koye is just like a comic book lover's dream. That was great. And uh, yeah, you want more of Namor. Yes. And I think, well, and we'll get into this later, but I think you're going to see more of him and because you'd be, you'd be silly not to. He's amazing. Um, Very captivating. Yeah, very much. So Um, I think um, I kind of felt like there was briefly touching back. This is one of the things I loved about the movie, but I thought there was an appropriate amount on screen mourning Mm -hmm. from, from the different characters. We kind of experienced their, their, their grief, but it didn't feel 
overly drawn out and forced, I yeah. guess. Um, but one of the funny things that I really loved is um, how Shuri refers to the CIA operative as the white colonizer. As, <laughs> as, sorry, her favorite colonizer. Her favorite colonizer, I, I, yeah. I, it just, it's just a little little bit of a poking fun, you know. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not derogatory or, you know, it's just a little, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, everybody in the entire cast is black except for him. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's her favorite colonizer. And then, then the, the, the little quip when she saves him from chains, it's like, Oh, look at this colonizer <laughs> in chains. And, she, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was cracking up with that. He's, that, was, that was kind of funny. He's um yeah, he's wonderful in the movie as well. Uh, him being Martin Freeman playing Everett Ross. Mm-hmm. And let's just take a second while, while Kane brings it up to acknowledge the supporting cast, a supporting cast that is so good. They all kind of like who replaces Chad Bozeman. Oh, uh, they all do. They're, they're wonderful. Um, Tana Cuerta, we already mentioned Angela Bassett. I mean, she really is the queen. Like she Absolutely. is the queen. Yeah. Yeah, um, she was phenomenal. And again, I thought her storyline and arc were well fleshed out and that you get her motivations and you see why she acts the way she does, Mm. which again is a complete almost 180 from where Wakanda usually is and how it's presented during the previous movies Wakanda's been featured in. Now, after Black Panther won... There was something announced or at least heavily rumored by uh, in, by Marvel Studios was that Di- a Disney Plus show was going to happen featuring the Dora Milaje. There was going to be a Wakanda Disney Plus show. Now, after Chadwick Boseman died and then they obviously had to change course with this movie, you, you haven't heard much about that. But I will say this. When I first heard the rumors of that, I wasn't so sure. After seeing this movie... And Denai Guerrera, who plays Okoye, uh, the uh, the new the the new girl who played Anika Anika mm-hmm. Michelle Cole, I, I'm in. Like I think that can I think they can carry a show. I would be in. I would be excited to see some Wakandan intrigue, interior workings of the political. Because like what they do a good job of showing in this movie is they have their own political. Um, things they have to navigate with Mbaku's tribe and things mm-hmm. like that. They have these like meetings of heads of state, which we're not really, we're not really told, but you assume they're from different kind of like tribes within mm-hmm. Wakanda. You got the guy with the big lip thing um, <laughs> that I just cringe every time I see yeah. like, that was so painful. I'm sure it's not anymore, but hmm. yeah. Um, but man, the Lupita Nyong'o is great as Kia. They're just wonderful. And Winston Duke, let's talk about Winston Duke. Mbaku. There will never be any Winston Duke slander on this pod because Winston Duke as Mbaku might be my favorite character in this movie. Mm. He's amazing. Like, how much screen time does he get? Maybe 10 minutes? I was going to say 10 to 15 at most in the two hour and 40 minute movie. And like Felicia Rashad in Creed last week, (laughs) he is owning every minute he's on screen. He's Uh, amazing. Yeah. And so like I was really hoping that um, he would take on the mantle. Well, that was interesting because I think a lot of people thought that what would happen in this movie, and I thought maybe even through the first 
half hour to 45 minutes of it, I thought maybe they would do that was that he would take the mantle of black Panther until Shuri could finally find move past her grief. Mm -hmm. And another, another little roadblock, interestingly that we can get to in the uh, biblical uh, themes kind of stuff, but there's another roadblock. She's kind of stuck on too, um, that she would get past those things and then become her own version of the black Panther. And maybe we might have at least for a little bit two black Panther, but they chose not to do that because I think there was, there was a lot of rumors that M'Baku was going to be the black Panther at some point in this movie. He, I believe this is another question for Scotty that he uh, is the black Panther for a little while in the comics. I don't know. It was, it's interesting. And um, yeah, we might, I don't know for sure, but what we get of him, I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, one other thing that I really enjoyed, uh, besides, um, what I've already mentioned is that they actually introduce, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus as, uh, Martin Freeman's ex-wife. And it also makes the post credits, uh, in, uh, Black Widow and, um, some of the Disney plus shows actually relevant that there's actually some story development and connectivity for those Disney plus shows. Cause when Wyatt Russell is going to be leading this group of ruffians, I'm ready for it. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I actually kind of yelped when you find out that she, that uh, her character is Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Mm-hmm. And you find out that she was married to our guy Everett, like that they're exes. I kind of yelped because that was I, I was excited about that. And it was this is new territory. This is like okay, they're doing something different with her character than the comics because in the comics she's like kind of a she's a shield operative, but she's sort of a Hydra plant, you know, like. Yeah, she's good. She's bad. She's Nick Fury's girlfriend. She's not, (laughs) you know, like she's kind of a weird character in the comics. Who's got like, you're never really sure of her motivations until she goes full bad. Um, Where in this, you've got the same kind of thing going on, but clearly she's bad. Yeah, she's bad in this. And, and that's something that I'll, I'll talk about later, but I did like her connection to Everett. That makes all their scenes carry a little more tension which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any scene they were in, they played off each other well. And of course, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is amazing. At times, I felt like she was kind of playing her Veep character. Because <laughs> she's like, so choosing to affiliate her with our government completely, because like you have to understand, in the comics, S.H.I.E.L.D. is not an arm of the United States government, at least most of the time. Like I think maybe in the latter years, maybe they did, but... Shield is kind of like its own thing for the longest time in Marvel comics. Um, but in, in the MCU world, it is, they've completely chosen shield to be an arm of the United States government, which again, I have some things to say about that later. Now's not the time. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Anything else? Anything else on what's good? Are we ready to go to what's bad? Uh, I mean, Ironheart was good. Yeah. You said Ironheart was good. Yeah. Okay. I I appreciate it. Okay. You're not going to appreciate it, I guess. I'll go first on what's bad. I have Ironheart as what's bad. Not that the character or the actress, when they introduce her, I'm in. I'm like, okay, she's interesting. I like this. 
And then they turn her into the America Chavez of this movie. Like there's really no explanation for, for more than a, a throwaway line or tune of who she is, how she came to be in this position. And you're almost left with the same feeling that I was left with, with America Chavez. She's a plot device, which seems unfair because I'm like, just make some random a plot, the plot device. And this could have been any scientist. Mm-hmm. Any scientist could have filled this part and it, it could have been Lake Bell's character at the beginning, the yeah. person in charge of the, the mining operation. Heck, just for kicks and giggles, you could have been Bruce Banner if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, you introduce Ironheart, where at that point, I'm like, give us more Ironheart or get her out of here. You're wasting her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's such a thin character by the time the battle happens. I just don't care. Yeah. Although... Again, they use her as a plot device, but uh, her reaction to Angela Bassett's uh, sacrifice um, yeah. is a turning point, I guess. Yeah, so. I mean, she gets moments, but I would give that to the actress, Dominique yeah. Thorne, who plays uh, Riri Williams in the movie. She's wonderful. like, And she's going to get her own Disney Plus show, and that's great. I'm excited for that because... I was excited to see some of it in this movie and she's just, just kind of there to move the plot along. Mostly she gets some, she gets a couple one liners. She likes the Chicago bulls. Yeah. She's delightful in almost any way. And I wanted more and she's just a really, she's the thinnest character in the entire movie that, that has more than a few minutes. Yeah. So I appreciated her more than Shuri in this movie. (laughs) Wow. So I, I'm all in on the Shuri slander. <laughs> Letitia Wright slander. Um, although I do like Letitia Wright. I, I loved her in the first movie. Yeah. Is this because she wouldn't get the vax? No. You, are you, no, are you but, mad at her? But I know some people that like. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a couple have reviews. Have held that against her. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple reviews that I would say, yeah, is this really about her acting or is it you don't like her? But, you know, why, we won't go there because that's not what we do. Not how we roll. I don't really care what their political stance is. I care about their character. Kane, what did you think was not so good in the movie? Uh, I, I want to highlight the uh, the mystery illness that uh, Black Panther do. Oh, okay, yeah. That they were never specific yeah. about what it was, kills T'Challa. It was all very, very vague. The, the mighty Black Panther who, in power of the heart-shaped herb, uh, running through his veins, doesn't that like give him extra healing powers or recovery yeah. powers or yeah. something? So I need a timeline of when this wears off. Um, have they have they have they shown in any way that it wears I, off? I kind of thought or that it didn't wear off. Maybe. It was a you take it, it's permanent until you take the other thing that strips the power of the black. When he got blipped out of existence, did that do something genetically to him? I don't know. Again, they don't flush it out, so you don't know why yeah, it true. is that yeah. this. Yeah, I haven't thought about the the blip thing, but still, you from the blip exactly the same that you left. Should have, yeah, yeah, in theory. Yeah, they either didn't give us the details on that because they do know and they're going to develop something about that, or more likely. They don't know. They didn't know how to explain it. And they thought the less we say, the better. Yeah. Because again, they wanted to honor Chadwick Boseman, but at the same time to do that, he can't be the focus yeah. mm-hmm. of the movie, which again, it goes back to this idea of once you make this decision with the story, 
Some people are going to be disappointed. Some people are going to like it. Mm. And I would also add this layer because look, I'll just tell you, I liked the movie. Mm. I liked it a lot, but because you chose this direction, there are some really glaring story problems Mm -hmm. um, that we'll get to. And and it makes sense that we're talking about them now and like the kind of the what's not so good department. And so, yeah, the idea that we don't really know what happened. It like, just, just kind of feels like a little bit of a cop out. If, yeah. the, if they don't know. If they're preparing to, to do something later on down the track, okay. I don't think they are. But it, yeah, I kind of don't feel like. Yeah, I don't think. I just think they, they couldn't come up with a reasonable yeah. reason other than real life. Yeah. Which is, mm. he, you know, he had cancer. Mm. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And the, the the other thing that I that I kind of the whole bugged beads like those. Oh yeah. You know, as as, as a as a yeah. pretty major plot point, right? And those beads are tiny. Could you really have planted a bug on those and yeah. it not and be noticeable? Where was this bug exactly? Because yeah. we see those beads several times. They look really smooth, yeah. metallic, yeah. and like this is Wakanda technology, not yeah. your. Yeah. Basic United States technology. Listen, you couldn't put an eye tag anywhere in my <laughs> around my phone in my vehicle without me getting notified that someone's random eye tag is with me. Yeah. yeah. Like so, what's happening here? <laughs> Just kind of thought. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was a little bit sense. of a plot device as well. <laughs> um. So something that I felt throughout this movie is that their scenes are phenomenal. Yeah, like, yeah, amazing. Visually, uh, fight sequency, whatever, but they don't feel connected. It just feels like there's some clunky transitions and some long lulls in between. And it, I didn't like the pace of this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you could cut out forty five minutes of the movie, you could probably get a higher grade out of me. Yeah, um, it was. Long for no apparent reason. I feel like, so, and only Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige know that. I feel like there was a story that Ryan Coogler wanted to tell. And we just got done reviewing Creed. We know that Ryan Coogler can tell a good story about grief mm-hmm. and going through grief, moving on afterwards, how you do life when you don't have someone you wish you had. Um, Creed had a lot of those th- a lot of those themes going through them. So it was good that we reviewed that, went back and watched that again last week. And he, in, at heart, that's what kind of movie you have here. And at times it's breathtaking. At times it's done so wonderfully. Then there's things that are kind of clunky. The, the government, the, the bugged beads, the Contessa, you know, her part in this movie where this was the, it felt like, and what I'm nervous about is these are the parts that Marvel demanded be in there because they're going to serve the story later on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe some of the parts you felt like were clunky might've been those things. Yeah. And I mean, there's some things within, um, some of Shuri's like, I guess alone time that I'm like, okay, we could speed this up or do something else. Cause this is again, not adding to her grief story. Yeah. It's not doing much. Well, I think they wanted to give her time to shine as an actress for whatever reason. Um, Ryan Coogler, I think made a decision that he was going to give Letitia Wright some real like scenes, the end scene, where she's kind of looking off into the sunset. That was, that was beautifully done. And I'm not, 
I'm not so sure it was whether it was just her acting was really well or it was just framed perfectly. Like Coogler, uh, that scene is is amazing to me. But yeah, the, there's some things in the middle, and maybe you can have a discussion. I think I thought Letitia Wright did a good job acting. Some people I've heard and read don't agree that she's lacking. I'm I'm not so sure the political stuff doesn't come into play. I think some people just want to not like you. I know for, don't, for me. I know it, for you, you don't have those things with her. Yeah. Okay. So like, then you're into this like this idea of like, is it her? Is it the script? Yeah. I don't know. And again, um, at least with her, we know it's not for future projects. Although maybe it is. Maybe they're making future plans. There were other things that I thought. Okay. So like, listen. The, the Valentina, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus's character is only in this movie to serve future projects mm-hmm. that her character did not have to be that they could have made some random fed his ex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was completely to serve the future. I believe the armor that is given to a and uh, uh, the other girl, Annika, that was terrible that when I saw that armor, I just, I hate it. Hate it. They're the Dora freaking Milaje. They don't need your armor. It looked like a Pokemon. Oh yeah. It looks terrible. First of all, it was like someone in the design, you know, in the design office in Marvel studios was like, we have to make these look stark like and Wakandan. And on both counts, I feel like they failed. And my fear is, is they did this to serve a future project called armor wars, which if you know anything in the comics about armor wars, it's all about the proliferation of Stark tech. Now you're seeing all this Stark tech Ironheart herself. Clearly there's some Stark tech. It even makes the repulsor noise, the, you know, like mm-hmm. when it's powering up, uh, now the Dora Milaje have a couple of suits of armor. Like I feel like, because none of that feels earned. No. What? Why do the Dora Milaje need armor? There's no reason for it. Well, the Black Panthers, we don't have a Black Panther. It's like, yeah, you're about to have one, though. So they can fly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Giving them armor actually takes away the kind of coolness of Shuri showing up as Black Panther. Well, so they when you go the route they did with Shuri, that she disowns all tradition, Mm, disowns it all. Yeah. uh, And then decides, I'm only going to be a singular focus character that all I do is tech and that's all I'll ever do is tech. And I'm going to get rid of your silly tradition and give you tech. And so that's where you had to go with it. Again, I was not happy with Sherry's character. Yeah. Yeah. The armor, that whole choice was really out of place and bad. Didn't like, didn't like it at all. Do you got anything? Anyone got? Because no. I have one oh, more. Thing. I got a big one. Okay, go ahead. You go, and okay. then I'll go. And this is so off the air. I said that one of these two gentlemen will probably Hulk smash me for saying this. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna hold my. Maybe I should restrain myself before this. Okay, Shuri and Namor. They're having their epic battle. They're on the beach, mm-hmm. and then they have a Martha moment where literally. Ghost mom, ghost mom. Oh, we're friends again. Oh, that's great. I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. Oh, this is great. We saw it. Batman versus Superman. They did it. Everyone hated it. You showing the actual faces of the moms doesn't help it. 
Yep. Here's they, the, they did it. Here's the problem with the complex villain. The, the Especially Marvel loves to do this thing to make the villain sympathetic. They do it again this way. You understand Namor, Namor's motivations. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't question why he has those motivations. You understand why he would. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem with making villains like that is to end the movie, the hero has to win or do something heroic. And... In this case, where in the past they've killed off the villain, I think they have future plans for Namor. And so whoever's writing this screenplay, whether it was Coogler or whether he had help, I'm not so sure because I don't I didn't read that about it. But they had to figure out a way to end this movie where Shuri's heroic and Namor lives. And that was the best they could come up with, which I will be on your side. I don't know why you thought I'd be mad at you. I think I thought that was clunky as heck. And I mean, literally. The whole time that she is in Black Panther mode, it is vengeance is mine, thus yeah. saith the Shuri. And and honestly, she wings him. Literally. Yeah. She rips wings out of his leg. Like, yeah, have her get the upper hand, but have him knock her back just enough where he can escape into the ocean. Because she ain't catching him in the ocean. No. Like, just let him get to the ocean. Have him be hurt. But have him just, like, in a moment of... Like he would be more fight experienced, have him pull a crafty trick to allow him to knock her back and get to the ocean and get away. She's still heroic. He still is alive. And then you don't have to do the whole scene at the end with the Namora questioning Namor about why you yielded Mm -hmm. because I didn't like that either. I don't like that Namor yielded. Why? Because of Canon. That character in the comics is not yielding ever. That's his personality. And so like once Shuri becomes the Black Panther throughout the whole franchise slash the in-game saga, you you get that ah, she's not really into that fighting lifestyle. Like she'll control things, uh, drones with like her remote control or whatever, or computer screen and she'll swipe, but she's not fighting. And then she gets the black Panther powers and I get it. It makes you strong, but like she's now a combat. Yeah. yeah. You're not immediately just because you took the, uh, the herb does not make you fully trained in the arts of Tai Chi. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you're not like, Billy blanks. Who do you think you are? <laughs> that whole sequence from her getting the power to her and Namor having their epic battle. It's like, it was rushed. Mm, it felt a little rushed. It was not my fave. I, w- I want to take a, a moment here because we're in the middle of our, what wasn't so good segment. I want to make sure people know I liked the movie. So I know we're talking about a few things in a row we didn't like, and it sounds like maybe if you just started listening, maybe you were tuning us out earlier. I don't know. And I know that can put people off. I liked the movie. And I we'll, am Sweden or Switzerland on this. Yeah. That I'm very neutral. Like when we get to the grading portion, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that later, but I like the movie, but I have one more thing. And that is the U S government as the villain, which they totally are. Along with maybe France. France. Which <laughs> I'm like, out of all the European powers. Yeah, that was weird. You go with France, who really hasn't done much since Napoleon. Yeah, France, out of all of the European nations, is probably closer to the Switzerland kind of type. Yeah. Place. They're, they're very neutral. So it was very weird that they were a part of that. 
Um, like you could have done the UK, you could have said, Oh, Russia's in with us. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you, I feel like the United States and, and it, putting the character of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine in charge of the CIA or whatever, you straight make them villains. I know you're going a certain direction with Thunderbolts, but let me tell you the problem with the US, US, United States being the bad guys here. Um, one, it's very woke. It's the it's the th- way to look at it now, like that United States is bad, government bad. They even make a couple like like borderline racial kind of equivalents of like white people bad. I can't remember what was actually said, but there's a line or two that were like, ooh, that was rough. Like, mm-hmm. and the problem is, is like, first of all, this the same problem in the real world is like you're ignoring so much nuance to say that an entire government is bad or evil, but that's what they're making the United States government in this movie. And it has a couple problems. Number one, it completely devalues Captain America Civil War. The whole what makes Civil War in the comics such a great story is that you could find a way to say, I agree with Tony Stark, Iron Man and the United States government. And I also agree with Steve Rogers because like the whole balancing point is yes. Some of these superpowered people are out of control and they are operating without any limits and they're killing people. Um, but also yes, Steve Rogers freedom has a price and I acknowledge that. And what is that price? What are we willing to put up with in order to keep freedoms? So like that was the the best part of that story in the comics was the conceit of that balancing that tipping point. But by doing this, by by clearly putting Valentina in charge of the CIA, clearly aligning her with the American government, who is also seems kind of evil in this movie, understanding that Thunderbolt Ross is going to be a part of this because she's involved in Thunderbolts and it's his name. So he's going to be involved and that they're clearly not on the up and up. You also devalue Tony Stark. You make him a, a patsy. Like in doing that, you make him be an idiot in civil war. We can now look back on civil war and say, Tony Stark was a moron. He was on the wrong side. Captain America was on the right side because of the choices you made in this movie. And so I, I don't know, man. You, I think you needed to leave a little more nuance to the American government instead of making them full on villainous here. Like yeah. That, that's literally how they draw, like making them be the ones who are like trying to catch people. They're literally going to throw Everett Ross into prison forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, there's, I guess some storylines you could do with Hydra infiltrating a powerful portion of the government and then Nick Fury having to act outside the government. Well, that's literally who the character of Valentina de Fontaine is in the comics. Yeah. And now you've made her a full on operative of the American government. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. It could work, but it, it feels weird in this movie. Um, Okay, one other thing. I, th- I thought of another thing that I don't like. And this goes back to, <laughs> it comes back to the discussion of once you've made the decision to not recast T'Challa, it sets up some rough story points. I alluded to this earlier. It forces the movie to move away from the mystical stuff, 
while also featuring the mystical stuff as major story turning points. For example, Shuri literally travels to the ancestral plane, proving Wakanda's death is not the end motto, but mm-hmm. ends the movie in pretty deep mourning still. Yeah. Like, what? Well, hold on. You've literally traveled to the ancestral magical plane where you've seen people who are dead, who are alive. Now you were disappointed. It was Killmonger, not your mom. Dead cuz. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, seems like a story point that they just kind of were forced into because they couldn't use Chadwick. Um, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, none of that makes sense. Like you devalue Shuri's grief. You devalue her intelligence. Yeah. And again, I didn't think her character was that flushed out and And her grieving process made zero sense to me. And yeah. And the problem with all of this, Cody is, is as it pertains to this section of what's not so good is it honors Chadwick Boseman. The whole movie does that. But in so doing you set up story points that don't honor the original movie. No, a black Panther doesn't, which might be a problem for some folks. And so at one point she talks a little bit about how she learned uh, what she knows from her brother uh, because she's talking to Ironheart. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, this was a deal for Chadwick or for the Black Panther, like the whole tradition and ancestral Mm -hmm. plane and everything about the Wakanda lifestyle that you just quickly dismiss and never really do anything with. Yeah. Well, let's, let's segue into that because as we go into the greatest story ever told award, the biblical themes in the movie, one of the big themes of the movie is Shuri versus Ramonda is science versus faith. It is that that's the tug of war that's being had. And Shuri is locked in, as you said, the tech, the science, she doesn't want anything to do with any of it. She's like, Nope, no, I'm not doing any of this garbage. She is, she is fully on the atheistic side of the spectrum. And then she's like, oh, but look, I created the herb. Let's do this. <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, okay. Wait, what happened? Then she sees somebody. Again, you, you get back into the same territory. She literally sees her dead cousin, but she's so mad about that. She comes out like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm done with it again. Okay, I'll be the Black Panther. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't, I don't. Uh, it was all, again, I like the movie. I like it. But you have some real storytelling issues once you make the decision, like, the point of this movie is to honor Chadwick Boseman. I don't even know that that's the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's some definite parts that don't really flushed out well um i kind of liked with namor uh that he when he's talking about his origins and how he's this cool dude that can breathe underwater and can fly and do all this fun stuff that like his mom when he's talking about mom being pregnant with him is like i don't want to drink of this and then gets tricked into it by some slippery, sneaky tongue uh, shaman. And then, oh, now he is known as the the demon. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. 
but it kind of does some like garden imagery, but not like full on garden imagery. Um, also with M'Baku, I think you get some of that uh, early to middle Genesis uh, vibes of like his group. It although they're still connected to Wakanda, they're outcasts. They are not allowed in. <laughs> And uh, so, like, kind of uh, with Jacob and Esau and mm-hmm. uh, Noah's kids. And, I mean, you can go throughout the Bible and see these splinter groups that, oh, we're still connected, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, for a sequel to the Black Panther, where you would expect it to them to get a little deeper into the Wakandan fractures. Like, let's get into that a little more. They're, not, they're unable to because... Again, this movie, that's not the point of this movie. Um, and, and that's a shame. M'Baku fully envelops the Good Samaritan. Because oh. during the whole, well, Namor can get to Wakanda really easy. Well, let's move to the mountains. <laughs> and who becomes the good guy? The people we don't like. <laughs> and so those no good outcasts now are the ones that are actually the heroes that, oh, we're going to take care of you. And, oh, we're even going to tell you what his name means because uh, we read books. And, like, oh, yeah, we, we're the good people. And which Samaritans to the Jewish culture at that time were the worst of the worst. And then, oh, look, a good Samaritan. And no one's good except God, but the Samaritan was – M'Baku is the good member of his tribe. Yeah, good call. I'll go with that. I am here, by the way, for an M'Baku standalone special presentation. Make it happen. Make it happen. I want to see M'Baku on an adventure all by himself, you know, and if you want to bring him out into the real world, because that would be hilarious, (laughs) like a little Star Trek four vibes where they're, you know, fish out of water story with M'Baku in like New York City. Oh, yeah. Yes. Make that happen. That would be great. Uh, yeah. I, so I really liked when like his armor gets broken and like his reaction and he's like, oh my goodness. And just like passes out. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to fight anymore. <laughs> All right. Who's the winner of the movie? I, I have a feeling this might be the first unanimous subject this of this subject ever. But I, Kane, why don't you go first? Mbaku. Oh, you're going to go with Mbaku. Mm-hmm. Well, not unanimous. <laughs> so he I, would have been my second choice. For I, real. I have a tie because Mbaku's only in it for 15 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I couldn't go with him. Yeah, I didn't yeah, go with him. And then no more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also went with no more Huerta, who plays him is amazing. And now he's going to be uh, a household name. So he kind of wins no more. Namor. First of all, they did. They got everything right about him. Even the way he moves, the CGI of how he flies and how he moves through the air, the little <laughs> noise with his wings on his feet, which could have been really corny, mm-hmm. seemed cool. Everything was cool. And especially, I was so pleased with the CGI of how he moved, the way he got in and out of the water. All the all the uh, talacons, the way they were in the water was creepy. The way they poked their heads up. Oh, man. All of that was good, but N- Namor is amazing. He lives, 
which Marvel had a real problem with killing off all their coolest villains. He's alive and it's heavily set up for future appearances. Yep. And I'm just going to make a, I'm going to make a little call right now. I'm going to make a prediction. I bet we don't see him as soon as we think we might. Like they set it up like he's going to come into play with the Wakandans quickly again. But I bet that's not when we see him next. Here's when I think we see him. Off into the distant future in 2025, phase six is a movie called Fantastic Four. Now he won't be in that, but he is a major Fantastic Four villain. That's where Namor makes most of his appearances in the comics. And in one of the in one of his first appearances in modern comics, it is against the Fantastic Four when he invades the surface world and the Fantastic Four is who he comes up against. He has a huge crush on Sue Storm. Because who doesn't? Yeah. So, like, I think that after Fantastic Four comes out and is a hit in 2025, but it's a movie that's directly leading to the Avengers Secret Wars stuff. So it'll have the same kind of things this movie has. They'll be telling the story they want to tell. Plus, there'll be several mandates by Marvel to say, hey, this has to be a part of it. So it leads us into this. When they can make a Fantastic Four 2, I'm going to call it right now, the main villain will be Namor and the Talicons. Um. There's like half of a celestial sticking out of the ocean or whatever from Eternals that I'm like, are we ever going to address this? Why are you bringing up old stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Because we already forgot about that. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Like there is this being that's just sticking up in the middle of the ocean. That's dead there. Like that didn't affect anyone. You don't say that. <laughs> uh yeah so i i mean we we're in a lot of agreement on what we think the best parts of this movie are the go get him next time award who loses the movie you already know who you're gonna go with letitia Wright, aren't you uh, at least or the, the character, character of shuri. shuri the character of shuri Man, is I the big loser for me i don't know how though because double she's, l's she's ongoing now as the black panther she's the black panther moving forward double l's until until the clear replacement T'Challa. Like, while I think, so this is the mid credit scene, we haven't talked about this yet, where she meets the son of T'Challa that no one knew he had because conveniently he wanted him to move away, uh, move, grow up somewhere away from the throne so he wouldn't feel the pressure, which is a great way to introduce him. It was all, it all felt okay. Yeah, the that delivery. part went good. Yeah, it was a wonderful that felt more than anything like the best honoring they could have done of mm-hmm. the legacy of T'Challa. They also set up that there is going to be a T'Challa in the MCU. I think that was obvious. Yep. So Shuri's not the permanent Black Panther. That's what I got out of that. But also, you set up, you, you, you kick the can further down the road. You're going to have the same problem because this T'Challa will not be the T'Challa from the comics. You're still going to have the same problem. Well, does this honor Chadwick Boseman? Does like, oh, it's been enough time we can replace him now. Like you set up the same problem just further on down the road. Yeah. Because uh, he can't be the same guy. He's got to be a different character. Well, he's Cha Cha Jr. Junebug is I'll call him. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm good with it. Like, I think it works because then you carry on the T'Challa 
legacy in yeah. Chadwick's legacy, but then you also can do some of those comic book stories with this with, T'Challa. With the other T'Challa. I, I do think it is especially clever that, that they did that. that. That's the best way to, I guess, recast. Yeah, it doesn't. All I'm saying, it doesn't resolve some of the problems you had with recasting him to begin with. Yeah. Jane, who's the loser of this movie? I really enjoyed the struggle to point it. It's mm-hmm. just like, no, nah, I, I can't live with that. Mm-hmm. So, so I think probably the, um, the, the point that you guys have made. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Dominique Thorne because I thought she was wonderful. And then she just, just gets nothing to work with. Yeah. I, after nearly drowning, her character just kind of goes off to the side. Yeah. I'm the introduction of her character. Like, listen, I didn't grow up reading Ironheart. That's a recent creation of Marvel comics. I didn't grow up reading about her. So I didn't think I was going to be interested to be honest, just to be really honest, because I like comic book stuff that that I grew up on, but I was in, I'm telling you, I was, I loved her character. I love the actress and I was on board. And then you just drop her. Like, I feel like she gets nothing to do except for the obligatory Iron Man ish actions. And I, I don't know. I just, I felt bad for her. And and it seems like she's only there to set up the Disney Plus movie or the series, which in turn seems like it will set up Armor Wars. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the only reason her character is present, because you know all this is coming down the pike. Okay. I can agree with that. That, That's a good one. Mm -hmm. All right. Bottom line question. We will each now rank the Phase 4 movies. Where does Wakanda Forever fall in your ranking of the Phase 4 movies? Kane... You will go first. Okay. My top movie, number one. Or do you want to go from bottom to top? Let's go top to bottom. Top to bottom. Yeah, okay. top to bottom. So top to bottom, Spider-Man, No, Mo- no Way Home. has got to be my favorite so far mm-hmm. of these. Next, I would say Wakanda Forever. Okay. So it takes number two spot for me. So you're high on Wakanda Forever. Yep. yep. All right. I, that may be partially because I've only just seen Wakanda Forever mm-hmm. and it's Go ahead Still and give me your when you when you get to Wakanda Forever. Go ahead and give me your rating out of ten. Um, I'd give it eight point five. Okay, eight and a half. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. You're high on it. All yeah. right. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it for for all the things that you know the little plot holes and the little the little niggly things. Overall, I walked away from the theater going, I really did. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I thought that was. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, number three would be Black Widow. Okay. Wow. Wow. I did I you did loved enjoy that. Black Widow. Yeah. It was funny. I yeah. enjoyed the comedic moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think I think it was an enjoyable movie yeah. for, for me. Um followed by Thor, Love and Thunder, and then Shang-Chi. I really struggled with those two. They could have gone either way mm-hmm. in, in that order. Followed by multiverse. Uh, some people would be shocked that that's so far down the list. And then I mean, Eternals. Dead last with the Eternals. Coming, coming okay. the bottom. You know what? Um so you were not a comic book reader. Correct. None of that surprises me. I think a lot of people would have it that way if they did not read, like in the, they didn't have certain favorites pre-going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cody. Okay. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. number one. Um, this one was tough. Um, I chose Love and Thunder, number two. I loved the storytelling device. I, I thought it was good, good. Good. I'm not going to say anything. I know you're not. <laughs> um, then I will go with um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, really any of the rest could go in that place, but I will go 
Eternals. And then I'll go Wakanda. Hmm. Then, what's, what's dead last? Uh, it's Shang-Chi and Black Widow. But I enjoyed all those movies in that grouping that I like yeah. any of them can go in this place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like at well, this moment, I'm with you two and six, two through six. There were seven phase four movies. Two through six for me are really close. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd agree. I would give this like a six and a half or a seven. Okay. That uh, makes me, let me tell you, your list makes me happy because now I'm sensing your patterns. You are not an origin story guy. No. You don't like Iron Man, the first Iron Man, and Shang-Chi is further is down your list. I did enjoy Shang-Chi though. Like again, it was like, yeah, wherever. So you're you would be someone who says, I, I kind of liked phase four. I was not opposed to phase four until this movie, like when when everyone else was saying, ah, I don't know about phase four. This is hot trash. I'm like, oh, this seems good because uh, we're, we're getting kind of a soft reboot. And then this movie happened and I'm like, this is the movie I actually had expectations for. Mm-hmm. Not high, but I had expectations for it and it didn't live up to the expectations. I definitely don't think it's hot trash phase four. Um but I do think some going back to some things we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think it's going to be harder and harder to satisfy everybody. You're, I don't think you're going to have another end game in Infinity War. I just don't think that's going to happen uh, because it's going to be so hard to please everybody. Uh, my list goes like this. Number one, Grand Sweep, No Way Home, I think is by far the most crowd-pleasing movie and just comic book nerdy, geeky movie. Yeah, It, it hits all the buttons. Like, it's just a wonderful movie. Number two for me, again, two through six are all pretty close, but I went with Shang-Chi. Um, I like the origin stories where they're just kind of on their own. And I kinda, I just thought everything about Shang-Chi for me was kind of delightful. And the stuff that's obviously for the future, like to the ongoing story of the MCU, mm-hmm. is not distracting. Yeah. So you have the end credit scene. Clearly the, the, the rings are going to be some sort of story point in the future of the MCU. Um, all of that is a backseat to Shang and uh, his friends. Aquafina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, the actor guy. Yeah. <laughs> his name I can't remember, uh, but he's hilarious. Uh, number three for me is where I would put Wakanda forever. It's, it's complex though, because as a movie that I understand is they're going a different direction than what I would do with it as like, I understand they're making a story choice and saying, this is going to be movie that honors the death of Chadwick Boseman. It's an eight as a movie in the MCU for me, it's more like a six. So I'm going to split the difference and call it a seven. Mm-hmm. I, like, listen, know that I walked out of the theater thinking that was great. I loved it. But there's this nagging disappointment in me of like that maybe can't be helped because Chadwick Boseman tragically died. Yeah. Now I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah. Because my wife was furious with me. Oh. Um, <laughs> were there any tears? Oh yeah, I cried. Okay, so Leah did too. Uh, I cried a lot. So opening mm-hmm. sequence without the, the Marvel music. logo without the music. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it started. And it kept going through the funeral procession, even with the weird, like, beam me up Star Trek. I dried up for most of the procession, but when Shuri loses it and and cries, loses her composure and cries on the, the coffin, lost it then. 
Um, and then the whole end scene with the boy. Yeah. And I cried. Leah starts back up. And at that point, I, I get emotions, but like I'm not crying. So you're you're a tough. You're a tough nut to crack. I am. <laughs> Number four for me was Multiverse of Madness. I had trouble with Wakanda Forever and Multiverse. Like they're really close for me. Um, and again, my I, I said the same thing about Multiverse of Madness. When I walked out, I was like, that was fun. I had a great time. Again, my problem are storytelling choice. Like, what what are we doing? Um, number five for me was Eternals, which I've consistently kind of elevated more than most people. I dug it. I dug that it was a totally different kind of MCU movie. Mm-hmm. And I liked her storytelling um, processes and devices. I am, however, with you on the part at the end, Cody. Like, how do we have a giant celestial sticking out of the ocean and nobody's talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> including the dude who loves the ocean? <laughs> like, n- he's not going to say anything about that. I expected a throwaway line. Yeah, I expected one throwaway line like you surface dwellers and your giant robots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, number six for me was Black Widow. But again, two through six, all pretty close. I knew number seven was going to be. Listen, and again, like, I don't want to be at odds with you about Thor love and thunder because for, again, it goes back to our discussion two weeks ago for me, just the character of Thor is so, this is such a separation from what he is in the comics. It's such a separation and the disappointment of losing his best villain to what is basically kind of a farce. It's kind of a, it's played for humor, which is fine. I understand people enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not on, I'm not telling you you're wrong. If you did, that's great. But Gore, the God butcher should carry a different kind of movie. Thor love and thunder would have been a completely different feel for me. If it was a different villain. Okay. Which I mean, literally I could see like having Gore be like one of these background ongoing villains that like you just get snippets of in random movies and then like he's a culminating event for Thor where like Kang's going to be a culminating event for clearly everyone and their mom. But um, yeah, that would, that would have been good, but eh, I didn't have connection with Gore. So I was like, okay, goodbye. All right. We need answers to our, but when, when I was talking about like this movie is the most conflicted I've been going, uh, leaving a theater is because like, I have the feeling that I should have it highly ranked because of its honoring of Chadwick. Mm -hmm. But then there was just those storytelling elements that like didn't sit completely well with me. It's very, I, I enjoyed Overall, like I left feeling okay with like the end product, but it just like if you think about those moments, it takes away. It's a weird movie, and I said that at the beginning. The layers of this movie are weird because I would kind of agree with part of that, Cody. Where I don't know that I've ever felt that good going out of a theater that I had so many issues kind of in the story because at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, well they chose to go that direction with it, and they succeeded at what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not so sure. Like, and it works on that level, but on a level that I kind of wanted, it doesn't. And I and and the, I, I have a feeling the future of the MCU is gonna be, gonna be kind of like that. 
It's going to be what I want this, where I want the story to go versus where it actually goes and how I um, marry those two ideas together and just enjoy the movie, which I did. I, I, I can't wait to see it again. Okay. We're going to go. We need answers to our comic book questions. So we're going to go to Scotty. We're going to go to Scotty on the geek phone. The geek phone. You are listening to pop culture pastor. Okay, we're on the geek phone. This is very exciting. We made it. The geek phone. <laughs> we made it. We made it, Ma. Uh, <laughs> the geek phone. This is highly uh, technological, experimental technology on loan from the NSA. Okay. I didn't know <laughs> if it was the NSA or NASA, aka NASA. Let's let's uh, let's check to see if it's working. And you can't see me, but I'm holding my finger to my ear. Scotty, are you there? I'm here, guys. Yay! Scotty's here. He is our resident comic book geek. Beam me up, Scotty. And we say comic book geek lovingly. It's a good title. In, in 20, 30 years ago, that was like someone might get beat up for saying that. Um, okay. So you've seen Black Panther. Or uh, Wakanda Forever, as it were, Black Panther Two, and we need to talk about some things. We've spent uh, we spent a good hour and twenty minutes all talking about it, and this is going to be one of those movies I think we talk about for a while, which I suppose is a good sign. It's a good sign. There's a lot to talk about, um, but we need to delve into the comic book history of the Black Panther. Uh, can can you provide us with off the top of your head who's been the panther in the comic books? Well, we've had quite a few. We we go back to T'Challa's father, like we've seen in in the first movie. Mm-hmm. We've we've had T'Challa, um, Shuri. The big thing to remember about Shuri, though, is Shuri isn't that old a character. Shuri first showed up in May of two thousand five, so okay. she hasn't been around very long. And her first initial stories were pretty much just her being there envious that T'Challa was was the Panther and not her. Even so much so when she finally gets a chance from from Storm when T'Challa is down to be the Black Panther and take the heart herb, the Panther guy's like, nope, you were envious of your brother. We're not giving you those powers yet. And it isn't until she she has a moment of of self-sacrifice pretty much that they finally realize that she's worthy enough and give her the powers. This is sort of like Cody and me. Oh, <laughs> Cody, Cody <laughs> wants the reins. He wants control. And, uh, the, uh, the, the, the podcast says, no, no, I'm just, um, <laughs> until I self-sacrifice <laughs> or until he sacrifices me. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and has there like, has the Mbaku, uh, any other characters, been Black Panther randomly? Well, randomly, the other thing that comes about, and and spoiler warning, because you know the ending kind of sets us up for this. At one point, we see a possible future where T'Challa had a son with Storm from the X Men, and, and that yeah. son does become Black Panther. The really cool thing is he also has a power, has Storm's powers as well. So he's a mutant in the comics. He's a mutant yeah. in the comics, yeah. Which that won't be the case here because it's him and uh Nakia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a difference from the comic books there. Um, but let's let's continue to talk about Shuri. Is there an amount of time where Shuri is the Black Panther in the comics? How long is she the Black Panther when she? A good swatch of time where she, where where T'Challa is gone, and also he's down her to one point that she is the Black Panther. You know, so much so that one point he loses the powers. And she pretty much takes over, and then that leads into Doom, Doom War, and and then he slowly regains his powers, and they end up fighting side by side as both as the Black Panther. It's interesting you bring up Doom War because that's where a lot of people thought we were going. I, I you know, I I did too, and it, and there's little pieces that we see in that in there, but not a whole lot. Yeah. So the rumor is is that there was there was definitely an in credit scene that Mar the Marvel Studios had worked up. That was going to expose that Dr. Doom slash Latveria was behind the tensions, like drumming up the tensions between Talakan and Wakanda. And they scrapped it. They scrapped the whole thing. I think that would have been really cool if you would have tied it back into the Valentina and the Everett stuff. Because yeah. that's one of my sore spots. This movie. I love Freeman, but I didn't feel like I felt like that those scenes fell out of place in this movie. Yeah, I felt like it just was kind of there, and I and I know we're trying to build Thunderbolts, and we're trying to build to that she is a new kind of you know Waller in the Marvel universe. But I I just felt like you know we could have put those scenes somewhere else. If well, you would have tied those two Doom then in the end in Latveria, that would have been awesome. Yeah, we actually talked about that on the pod, the regular pod before we came to you. Was that there's two layers of this movie, right? There's the movie that Ryan Coogler clearly wanted to make about grief and and moving on, stuff like that. And then there's the part of this movie that's clearly was an MCU mandate, right? A Kevin Feige mandate that like, hey, this stuff's got to be in there to drive the story, the overall story forward. So the stuff with the yeah the Contessa and mm-hmm. uh, Everett, although I like. Everett as a character and he could keep recurring in Wakanda stuff as far as I'm concerned. I love him and Akoye's back and forth. Yeah. Colonizer stuff that I love that stuff. <laughs> but De La Fontaine's presence in this movie, and we talk about this on the pod a lot, is or I do. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> is sort of weird and does some things negatively to, towards the past story. Yes. Um, so the choice, the choice to put her with the American government, like solidly, she's the head of the CIA. Did I get that right? Is that what yeah. she is? Yeah. Um, to do that. And then on top of that, to play the Americans, like they're of the villain in this story, uh, really devalues one Captain America Civil War. Uh, it devalues that whole conflict because now there is. Like before, and what's you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the comic book story of Civil War, what makes it so great is you could make a case for either side. Yes. It's a tough, it's a complex situation. But instead, by doing this, man, you're like, well, first of all, Cap was right. And by doing that, you really devalue RDJ's Iron Man. You'd be like, yeah. man, he was a sucker. But but I think going forward, you kind of have you I think it it's a mirror of what we're seeing in the world now that anybody with power can control and no matter what scheming, what dirty deeds are pulling. So the moment when she puts thunderbolts together, I think is going to reflect that a lot. And I think it's going to be that, okay, we trust these villains to do the job, 
you know, because there's no vendors, there's no other heroes that we trust right now. Yeah. Man, Scotty's amazing. And I think that's sort of our goal right now is is lessening the meaning of Thor in any other heroes, Black Panther, that are still out and about. We should just yeah. let Scotty do the pod. Because <laughs> man, he's amazing. Did you have something you wanted to add to that, Cody? Oh, so yeah, I mean, there's so much that is happening within this movie, and it's building towards a couple different movies, I feel. Um was there any Easter eggs that really stood out to you that like the casual fan would not have picked up on? Well, the big one, and I don't think a lot of people caught it, was the Ant-Man Easter egg. When oh, yeah. On the on news? Yeah, he was on the news. Yeah. Talking oh, about I missed it. The biography out. Yeah. It's in the ticker at the bottom. Ah, oh, I missed <laughs> it. So. I- I do not pick up Easter eggs very well unless they're <laughs> unless they're blatantly said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I wish they would have, you know, we see it in Riri's first suit, the the nanotech arc reactor like Tony's. I wish we would have and I hope they do it in a show. I hope we draw more towards her like Tony being an influence to her because that's a huge part of her story. That's a whole part, huge thing of her going to MIT and her wanting to build suits and be these things. And yet again, like Shuri, she is the new Iron Man for quite a while while Tony is supposedly dead. Yeah. What do you, what would you make of her storyline in the movie? It was interesting. I, I really liked her. I like, I like the actress we picked the thing that I felt like there was so much going on. I felt like, mm. you know, she got a backseat. So I'm glad that we're getting a solo show with her. I feel like that's we'll finally get the scratch that surface some finally a little more, you know, and it's it was a nice kind of slow introduction. So now send her back home to kind of deal with, you know, not being able to keep her first suit will be interesting to see how she copes trying to go back to normal life after being in Wakanda. Yeah, uh, she got America Chavez a little bit. I yeah. felt like <laughs> where you introduce this kind of interesting character and then we don't really get much of her you know, much of her backstory at all. Well, and, yeah. and I kind of felt that a little bit with, you know, I felt like if, like we talked about with the, with the Everett stuff, you know, I felt like if you pull that stuff out, it would have gave us more time with Namor as well. I felt like we, we got some moments with Namor, but we could have had more moments with Namora and, and Atuma who, you know, are huge in those posters and even got their own character posters, but both of them maybe have two lines in that movie. I, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Go ahead, Cody. No, I was going to say uh, we could have definitely focused on uh, Namor's inner circle a lot more because th- there was only like a handful of lines for each of them. I briefly mentioned this in our review segment before we came to the geek phone here um, that like really only the, your true comic book geek was really geeking out watching a Koye fight Atuma. Yes. Uh, Namora <laughs> fight. Um, who is she fighting? Uh, Namora. Namora. Oh, Namora was fighting. Who was Namora fighting? Someone. She fights, she fights Ironheart. Ironheart. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then, um, of course, you're having Shuri's Black Panther fight Namor. Um, but that was truly like, boy, there was that, that last battle where they're all facing off. But you don't really... If you're a casual observer, you're not a comic book fan. You don't really know enough about Namora or Atuma to really geek out about that. Yeah. Other than, you know, they give Atuma a couple moments to you realize he's a a warrior to be reckoned with. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, if you know his complete history and what he does, yes. like Atlantis attacks was this huge summer crossover event that was told throughout Marvel comics one summer. Oh, yeah. And it's all Atuma. Like he basically, oh, yeah. you know, does a coup d'etat with Atlantis and, and <laughs> breaks them up and takes control of a large chunk and invades the mainland. Yeah. Um, and, and something oh, else I really like that, that this movie does. I Killmonger is probably my favorite MCU film, but he was doing things for himself and I'm not saying they were selfish and he was right. But the thing that I really thought was nice this time around is Namor was doing things for his people mm, and, yeah. and we could side and, and understand why he was doing the things he was doing the same way Killmonger was, but he's motivated by the people he loves and his people. Well, let's talk about Namor for a second. Um, cool. Are you cool with the changes to the character for the I MCU? I, I'm, I am cool with it. I, I would like to see going forward, though, we delve deeper into the Mayan stuff. Mm. I felt like we we scratched the surface a little bit, but not a lot. I felt like if we were going to go that route instead of going the Lantis route, I, you know, I still look at it as Atlantis, but <laughs> yeah. Are you a little sad that it's not Atlantis? No, because I felt like we got everything accomplished without calling it Atlantis. You know, when when he when we finally get to see the underwater city, it's Atlantis. <laughs> We're all thinking it's Atlantis. You know, and he, you know, even with the changes, he's still Namor to me. You know, those changes didn't change that character to me from the comics. We get the nice winged feet. <laughs> oh man! Know, which I was so glad they did. Um, I complete also, nerd out by the way. Exactly. Nerded out over that. I'm still yes. nerding out. Of it. <laughs> yes. That, you know, he drops the important word mutant in that movie mm-hmm. you know, for a long time. He was billed as the original mutant, you know, up until, you know, we kind of read that with age of apocalypse and, you know, Wolverine's backstory, but, you know, so we've, we have this character that has such a long history starting in the forties, even beating captain America as being kind of the first kind of superhero we think of, along with the original human torch in the, in the Marvel comics. Yeah. He fights in world war two with the yeah. invaders, yeah. Captain yeah. Oh, America, yeah. the original human torch, Bucky. You know, he he <laughs> starts out as kind of like the first kind of big anti-hero. Even he's not even with us, the Americans at first he's destroying any warships that are passing into Atlantis's water. So, yeah. As cute. one should. It's, <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> Um, Scotty will ask you one last question and uh, I already gave my opinion of when I think he pops up next. I just want to see where you, what you think, uh, given that you are, uh, our resident comic book guy, where do you think Namor Namor pops up again in the MCU? When do you think that happens and in what venue? I, I think, I think a couple of different things of, you know, I think we either seem in the, in black Panther three for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance we may see him in a post credit scene for Fantastic Four. Yeah, you know that's what I want. I I kept hoping that the end of this movie was going to lead to him, you know, at the steps of the Baxter Building with amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't leave you in mystery. I won't make you wait for the pod to come out. I'll just tell you that I think um, it sets up perfectly for him to be the villain in Fantastic Four Two. Yeah, so exactly. somewhere way down the line. When you're done, so Fantastic Four One's gonna help set up Secret War, but then in Fantastic Four Two, you do the attack. Uh, they attack the surface plot line, just yeah. like when he first appears in Fantastic yeah, Four, for sure. And and my other thing is that how long do we wait to do that, or do we give him his solo movie? 
that's my third kind of oh you know if we give him a solo movie you know i i would like to see him in a few other things so we can build up a tuma as being that villain that we want to see a tuma um give him a solo movie where he attacks the eternals for leaving debris in his waters <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing that was kind of it was kind of interesting to see like you know koye brings up the thanos stuff but never namor never brings up at all you know so i would it's inter- it would be interesting to know where if he was snapped during the snap or if he was just hanging out down down in his waters like it'll blow over <laughs> it, it would be hilarious if they made a joke whenever like if they did a solo movie about like why does nobody on the surface care that there's this giant frozen robot in the ocean <laughs> like nobody talks about it are we the only ones who care about the ocean <laughs> yes that'd be amazing all right um scotty thank you uh for stopping by everyone else thank you for listening to our review of wakanda forever make sure and leave your comments what you thought about the movie uh below our social media posts and uh yeah by the way uh don't don't do it if you haven't seen it yet <laughs> don't yeah. read the comments <laughs> spoilers spoilers <laughs> uh but we appreciate all of you so much thank you for listening and we will you're sorry but this phone number is no longer in service goodbye okay i, I hung up the geek phone early that was my bad oops <laughs> Sorry, sorry, everybody. Sorry, and Scotty. Scotty, <laughs> I hung up the geek phone. Get out of here. <laughs> um, uh, what I was saying was, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure and follow our social media accounts so you can uh, play along and 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 comment. We want to hear your thoughts, especially if you're in the pop culture pastor community group on Facebook. If you're not, join it. Well, especially after you've watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time.